I predict that I will still be on hold with Comcast. I predict that the EPA will try to put itself and the FCC on the endangered species list. You just don't know how many illegal things they talk about in all these podcasts anyway, because Lisa cuts them out. That's a great way to start the show. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. This is our year in review and next year in anticipation episode, I guess. Here with me, we've got Lisa. Hey there. And we've got Hannah. Hi. And we've got Nick back again. Hi, Chris. Good to be here. You were here last one year ago, I believe, when Lisa was in Michigan. We needed someone to fill in. Yep, you've retained my seat. It's been great. <laughs> yes, we haven't moved the seat since then. Um, so I think it makes sense to look back at some of the predictions that we made last year. Um, Rebecca, who I don't know if we've ever formally announced this, but Rebecca has moved on to another organization. We miss her on a daily basis, but she made some. Um, she was on the show last year, uh, in which we talked about our predictions and whatnot. Do we want to review any of our predictions? I think we could look at a few of them. Why, why don't we do that? Let's see. So we talked a little bit. Before we actually get too far into this, I just wanted to make a quick plea. Uh, please don't forget us in your year-end giving. Um, you know, ILSR, the Institute for Local Self-Reliance that we work for, is uh, really dependent on contributions and donations from our listeners and readers. And, and I think it's really important as we go into a new year in which we're going to see more and more of these issues of whether local communities are able to make decisions for themselves and able to thrive or if they are going to be stuck, you know, being dependent on what comes out of D.C. and what comes out of big corporate boardrooms. And, you know, I think it's really important that people are able to support us and show support for uh, the idea of local governance in 2017. So let me just make that plea. Uh, if you still have some, um, you know, money to give to charitable causes, we are a 501c3 and uh, it's tax deductible. So please support us. Yes, do, because you don't want to lose our wonderful voices on the podcast every right, week. Right, right. I think it's the ideas more than the voices that people are, are listening for. But let's, let's turn now to some of the predictions. Okay, so um, I seem to remember we talked, uh, well, I wasn't because I wasn't here, but um, it's, I seem to remember hearing that you had talked a little bit about more partnership models. Yes, I think we did talk that about that. That was a that. prediction. Yeah, and, you know, I think... And this actually leads into a prediction that I'll have later on today. But I, don't, I we saw some new models. We've seen a, a few, few new models, ones. Mm -hmm. right? And, and I mean, in particular, the um, I don't know that we call it a partnership. Um, it's sort of in that vein, though, the Huntsville approach with um, municipal fiber and uh, and Google leasing it. Um, it's also what Madison's trying to do with a partner. So right, and this is something we've kind of struggled with lately. With actually, what is a partnership? Right. So I would say we have not really seen new partnership models. And in fact, we've not seen any new partnerships in a meaningful way in the way that Westminster and Ting have partnered. We've seen a lot more ways in which we do see cooperation between often smaller private companies and municipalities. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know that we've really seen a new partnership model. So it depends on how uh, pedantic you want to get with the term right. partnership. Right. But uh, we've seen new models coming out, and I think it results in, in more investment from the private sector, which is kind of what everyone's going for. Right. Um, so we have seen some of that. Okay, so no partnership models. I think one of the things I remember Rebecca asking about 
uh, was whether or not there'd be multi-city cooperation. Um, yeah, and, and I don't. I, I, I was reading the transcript, and I don't yeah. really recall exactly what that meant. I mean, I, right, it was right. sort of like multiple cities working together in cooperative. Like so regional networks, yeah, like maybe. Fiber, I yeah. think. And, and we haven't really seen that, although I think we've seen more areas that are talking about it. Um, I th- I think but we have definitely seen more cooperatives, and that's where I think Hannah, you know, has been doing a lot of work. Yeah, we've definitely seen a lot more electric cooperatives this year. Um, telephone cooperatives have been doing things for a very long time, but this year especially, we've seen a lot of electric cooperatives working with the smaller towns that are part of their area and finding out exactly what they need as far as internet access. It also seems to me that there's a lot of interest in the cooperative model as a means of delivering internet service, too. I think Hannah identified 63 gigabit cooperatives, and that's really important to say there's a lot of different organizations that want to deliver high-quality internet service to their uh, member owners. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, One of the things that I do recall um, is that I predicted that we wouldn't really get an answer on the Sixth Circuit. Right. And we did. And that was uh, the answer we were not looking for, but it does offer some certainty. And I think um, we see North Carolina and Tennessee continuing to move forward. And um, and I think that that FCC effort still um, led us to a better place in which North Carolina and Tennessee have much more energy to um, restore their local authority. And just for people who might have just recently joined us, um, that Sixth Circuit decision is the one where the FCC overruled Tennessee and North Carolina in the way that they had passed restrictions on local authority. The Sixth Circuit said that the FCC did not have the authority to overturn state law in that way. Um, and frankly, I think you know this, um, it's a mixed bag in that um, now we have a stronger sense of federalism. If the FCC was to try and say something um, under the Trump administration that would be anti-muni, I think we'd also see the courts saying, no, states are the ones that are controlling in this area under current law. So it's not all bad. It's also important to note that Wilson has gone forward and um, said that we're going to offer a very good program for public housing for internet access too. And so they're, they're looking forward and going and connecting folks you know, near them and in their community to ensure that they have high quality internet access and that the state can't limit what they're doing. Right. I actually, this, is, this has been a year in which I feel like almost every other week I want to have Wilson on as a guest because whether they're connecting their neighbors and, and, and fighting the state law in Pine Tops, which we discussed, or this public housing or the local um, economic benefits they're seeing from the network, there's so much happening in Wilson. It was a great year for them. Well, and the FCC decision definitely lent itself some clarity. You know, I mean, nobody needs to bother with them anymore. Nobody with needs the FCC. Right, right. Right. Well, I think I do think that there's no sense that anything good will come out of the FCC right. unless you're AT&T or CenturyLink and right. you want a few billion dollars to do mm-hmm. absolutely no investment with. Yep. The FCC is a wonderful place to go and get that check written. Right. The FCC has done good in terms of some of the, the investments and, and requirements they've passed for people that have disabilities or are differently abled or however you want to say it, people that are deaf or have learning ability or learning challenges, um, and brain disabilities. The FCC has done a lot, and I think that the new FCC will not roll that back. So there's some things that Wheeler's FCC did that um, will live on, let's hope. Sure. I mean, how could they roll that back? How horrible would they look if they rolled those back? Yeah, I... You know, I don't want to try and, I mean, these are, this is not, like, it's just sort of like, oh, Republicans are in charge of the FCC. 
O'Reilly and Pi are two of the just they're just they're basically anything the telephone companies want from what I can tell they are really not interested in the public's interest in the way that that past Republican commissioners have at least cared a little bit about um, things other than pleasing their, their corporate patrons and I am I'm quite worried about the future of the FCC and I don't want people to think oh it's just people who are upset that they lost an election it's really a particular kind of regime that's coming into DC that it's very concerning for the future of all these issues I think um, Nick, I think one of the things that we talked about last year was Colorado, whether they were going to change the law. They did not. As you predicted, they did not change the law. Right. But there were more and more communities that opted out of that law, that state law. SB 152 requires a referendum for communities to invest in a telecom network. And there's a total of 95. Yeah, it's approaching 100. Yeah, so a lot of communities saying that they want to have some control, whether that's investigating what options they have or actually building a network, seeing that they have the local control over that. So a prediction? <laughs> My prediction is the same. More communities opting out. Colorado right. does not change the law. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think as long as there is that option, there won't be any reason to change the law. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can always say, well, it works, you know, and the more communities that do the referendum and pass it, just reinforces that. So. Right, and I just think it's just really hard to change a state law that is uh, something that the cable and telephone companies favor. Right. Um, now, those companies would like to change the law themselves. Sure. They'd like to make it harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think we'll see more of an issue is that um, if they do try to change it, we'll be pushing back to say, no, we'd rather deal with the devil we know than a, than a new devil that's going to be crafted to make life easier for big monopolies. Right, right. It also gets easier and easier for communities to opt out of this once they've seen the success that their neighbors have had Mm -hmm. as well. And this isn't just limited to municipalities, it's counties, it's some school districts, basically any administrative uh, district that could do this. Right. You had predicted that you thought Google would invest in more communities. Well, they did. They've launched Salt Lake City. They're doing some work in San Antonio. There's a few others. Um, but they have, I did not predict that Google would start a significant pullback. Right. Um, and, and this is something I was wrestling with yesterday as I was considering future predictions is what do I think Google will do next year? And, and I don't know. And this is something I've long said is I don't think Google knows. And so to some extent one can make predictions, but it's, it's, it's hard to tell because within Google, there are different opinions of what they should do. And I don't know how you can predict who will win mm-hmm. within Google as they're making those determinations. I can tell you that I certainly hope that we'll see more of the Huntsville-type arrangements where uh, Google would be a provider on a network that is uh, owned by a municipality Mm -hmm. and uh, where we can see more of these open fiber uh, investments that will result in more uh, choices in the marketplace and fundamentally uh, have open infrastructure throughout communities that can support multiple ISPs or rather than having communities that are basically locked down by a single cable or telephone company. Mm-hmm. I do have a question about that, and maybe it's not exactly relevant to this conversation, but does Google have a limitation in who they're willing to work with, You know, like a Huntsville, like other communities that have a strong tech base and a strong existing industry? Because I think time and again we've talked about municipal fiber networks and fiber networks in general as boosting innovation. It kind of seems like a chicken and the egg about where who is willing to invest in a community. I'm just wondering if 
the predictions part of this, are there going to be more communities that aren't necessarily having that tech base already investing in municipal fiber or even arrangements with places like Google? You know, I think that um, there's a lot of areas that are non-tech focused that are going to continue to invest in this. I mean, for instance, Madison is uh, not a particularly tech, you know, known place, uh, but they're they're investing in this because I think they have good leadership on it. Um, communities in the Central Valley in California are really looking into this. In Southern California, I think because of what Santa Monica's done, there's a lot of municipal networks that are popping up there of different flavors and approaches. Some of them are reaching out to businesses, some of them are going all the way to the homes, but um, I think we're gonna see more of the kind of investments in 2017, uh, or at the very least, more feasibility studies from places where they're like, oh man, everyone's moving to this city that's 30 miles away from me, we need to find a way of, of keeping them here. And this is something that we saw with um, that uh, in electric cooperatives, which is something that John Chambers told me is that he thinks the number one determination for whether an electric co-op will be interested in this is if there's an electric co-op very close to them that's doing it because that gets their attention and it gets their members' attention and they get very interested in doing it at that point. It's a good domino effect. Exactly. For 2016, you had also predicted that you thought uh, there might be some more large cities making invest investment. Right, and Madison, of course, calls themselves not a large right, city. Right, right. <laughs> but I um, think in the podcast you had mentioned specifically New York and Seattle and Baltimore. Now, and each of them, each of them is making noise still. In right. San Francisco, I would add to that as um, as being much more serious now about it. Um, so. You know, it, it remains hard to say some of these things. and um, Things also take longer in a larger city, too. Right. You know. So um, I don't know that I would call that a victory. I certainly thought that there was a chance we'd see much more of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of a half, half prediction success, maybe. Well, in Seattle, you know, they have it in their master plan. Right. No yeah, funding they, have, they for group it. upgrade. Seattle's doing a great job mm -hmm. of putting pressure on and organizing around this. So, mm -hmm. But I think it's time to move beyond our recap to predictions for the next year. Hannah, let's start off with you. What's the prediction for 2017? I think a lot of s the bigger cities and some of the mid-sized um, cities will pass a lot more small ordinances, like in the San Francisco multiple dwelling unit one. Um, smaller things that can immediately increase internet access to their residents. To try and make the market work better. Yeah, rather than trying to deal with fiber and deal with poles. Um, it's been a very rough time for poles this year. <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, I think that's a smart prediction, and I think we will see that. I wouldn't say rather than, though. I think a number of the places that are passing those will also be doing other things that take a longer time horizon. Um, but I certainly think we'll see more of that in 2017. And I, um, I'm afraid it'll be a little slower. I was really hoping the end of 2016 would have more of that. And there's a lot of pushback. So we'll see what happens in, in San Francisco and other places that are working on it. But I think you're, that's something I would absolutely expect to see. Nick, a prediction? A prediction that I have that I really hope does not come true is that we're going to see more and more money flowing into state legislatures um, based on issues of limiting competition or really becoming the state legislatures and maybe local city councils becoming the battleground for uh, internet access and incumbent monopoly money. And well, let's put a hard prediction on that then. How many states <laughs> will see a serious fight over limiting local authority? 
I'd say a serious fight that we can identify the actors in, which is a very you know difficult thing in some cases. I'd say fifteen. Uh, very wow. Solid. wow. Yeah. No, I've already got too much work to do. Yeah, Nick, you're going to be working overtime. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. I'm nothing if not bold in this prediction. And like I said, I really hope it falls short. But, I mean, we've seen time and year and year again in Missouri, there's been efforts to limit uh, local investment. We've seen in North Carolina in recent years just the fight for any investment for municipalities or cooperatives to invest in their municipal networks and kind of increasing the the service for folks. And I think that it's something where at the federal level, this policy might not exist. And so at the state level, we might just see more moves being made. And so the incumbent uh, monopolies might seem more threatened. Hannah, how many numbers, how many states are we going to have a major fight in? I'd go with 10. 10? Lisa? No, I don't think there'll be that many. I think that I would say less than five. I picked five. (laughs) And I think it's going to be the states where we've seen it before. Um, they're just, they've already kind of got that base and right. those people lined up. And so if we're going by prices, right rules, anything less than five, Lisa wins. Five, <laughs> five to nine, I win. <laughs> 10 to 15, Hannah wins. And above 15, Nick wins, but we all lose. <laughs> you see, that's why you don't want to be the first person who right. bets on the prices, right? <laughs> and that's what I was just turned into. Right, that's right. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, so the reason I pick five, and I think it's going to be five sort of knockdown drag out fights, because I don't think there will be that many. Um, and I should say that others are very concerned. People who follow, you know, Jim Baller, uh, Joanne Hovis, who follow this field closely. Um, I've already heard rumblings about some states that are where we're concerned that this is going to come up. But I just think strategically it will be very dumb for the cable and telephone companies to bring this out, because what we've seen in the last four years, certainly is that when this issue comes out, it's a big media issue. And the cable and telephone companies look bad. They, it gives us a chance to blast them in the press over and over again. And and I don't see why they would want to do that when the municipal broadband movement is growing, but it's not like it's really threatening their profits. They're, they remain incredibly profitable. And so if they're smart, they would remain pretty quiet. But if they're going to give us a chance to get a ton of media exposure and having fight after fight, well, then, you know, we'll take them up on it. That's why I'm saying that. I just want to be busy. I want to have the media exposure (laughs) and us releasing press releases on this and talking to folks about it. Because the more and more we get the narrative out there about municipal networks and investment in communities, that's a good thing. So it's (laughs) that's why I'm saying 15. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that they are sneakier than that. That's why I think it would be a lower number. I don't know if you're sneakier than that. I think that they're lobbyists. Just, you know, they have all these people that live in the state capitals and they have to do something. And so I think they basically say, well, let's work on this. And they don't, it's not really in the interest of the company, but companies don't always make decisions based Mm -hmm. on what's in their larger interest. They make decisions based on who has power within the company. And the lobbyists want to justify their existence. And they also want to get paid overtime. So I think the lobbyists may drag them into unwise fights. I also think that if um, the incoming administration's plan to put in tax credits and and all that, they're going to be somewhat occupied with, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to be more of a secondary focus. Um, They'll be, you know, begging for dollars instead of so much as trying to you know, get these laws passed. Yes. So. Yeah, and I also think that we're going to see a lot of fights over wireless zoning. I agree. And, and that sort of thing. So yep, I think, you know, I think AT&T, so. for instance, will be focused more on trying to 
rollback authority over their ability to put cells everywhere that you can see mm-hmm. um, rather than, um, um, you know, anything um, yep. on wired issues. I think so, too. Now, I'm curious, how many states are going to roll back? So Tennessee, North Carolina, two prime ones, other states. Are we going to see any states roll back their existing barriers next year? I don't think so. Hannah? No. Nick? I'll be bold once. No. <laughs> oh, I'm saying Tennessee. Tennessee is going to roll it back. They're going to, at the very least, have some kind of carve out to allow more. I think I think North Carolina, and I wouldn't consider this a rollback, but I think North Carolina will absolutely um, allow pine tops. Oh yeah, absolutely. Service. I mean, but yeah. that's not the same as right. Yeah. But I think I think in in, in both of those states, I, I think we'll see people that actually want to invest, you know, that want to see more investment in rural areas fight against. I think Governor Cooper, who won in North Carolina, um, I certainly think he'll be pushing hard and fighting the legislature to roll it back. Um, I think it may be challenging um, this year to do that, but... Um, uh, it's not going to happen this year. Now I Right. Now, I it know. might happen so, a different year, no. but this year he's got a little too much to deal with. I don't know about that. Then, so, and a little thing, too right? little to deal with it with. In Tennessee, in Tennessee, I think I'm going to go out. And, I'm really going to go out on a limb. Tennessee and North Carolina are both going to roll it back. Tennessee is going to be a little bit more significant. Why do you think Tennessee? In Tennessee, the grassroots movement is so strong. The governor, the governor's own agency, put out a report on economic development that identified these laws against municipal networks as being a major barrier. And there's somebody who's actually paying attention. I think so. I think so. We'll see. I mean, now I, I could hopeful. see a carve out for Bradley County. Well, that could be, but I, I could think, see I that. Tennessee's going to be but more not significant. this the whole law, general. Yeah. Um, I also think in North Carolina, don't forget, North Carolina has this odd re-election now in 2017 because the elections this year were so horribly racially gerrymandered that the legend that the courts have said they have to re-vote in 2017. So I think if Governor Cooper is going to go and railing against the legislature saying that they won't allow rural broadband, um, that the legislature may cave, and I think we could see them soften the restrictions against municipal broadband in, in North Carolina. This is this is me going full Pollyanna, but I think... <laughs> I think we can definitely see that happen. There's also something about Tennessee that you haven't mentioned, too, which is Chattanooga's very robust marketing campaign and talking about the amazing things that they're able to do. They just got a really great rating from PC Game or PC Magazine, talking to the top gaming ISP. Um, and right. so, I think we could have like a, a, a section on our website, Awards <laughs> Chattanooga Just Won. Right. And they're, they're doing a lot of things, and... They're saying these things and they're marketing their network as one of the best in the world, in part to show their local communities and their neighbors and stuff like that, saying, you want this. You want this type of thing to be there, and maybe that puts pressure on the legislature. So Right. I just think I think they're gaining in power, and I, um, I think there's going to be a real push. And, um, you know, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Okay. I could maybe see it next year, but... I don't think it's going to happen this year. I just think there's too many other things going on. Okay, I have some wimpy predictions. The major mergers will all be approved. There's oh, no, there's shocking. To, there's that's not a prediction. There's nothing to stop mergers. <laughs> Hannah, <laughs> Hannah, that's not a prediction. It's a fact. <laughs> we'll see. You know, it's one I'll be happy to be wrong on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what else do we have for predictions? You didn't ask me. Lisa. <laughs> I feel slighted. Okay, so one of the things that I think I'd like to see, and I think, we might see, are um, not necessarily municipal projects or publicly owned, possibly you could call them publicly owned, but more of these like local neighborhood community, like people getting together and funding their own little neighborhood 
networks. In fact, Hannah is working on a story right now about one Brennan. in Washington. Right. Brennan, Brennan Washington. Washington. Yeah, they're working together based sort of on the San Juan Islands uh, model to bring wireless to their community. Now, a lot of these are wireless, but I think that a lot of these people, and, and we've also written about a couple of places in, I think it was Tennessee, yeah, where the neighborhood just got together and said, okay, look, everybody chip in money and we will um, pay for it to connect to wherever. I just think that people are going to be taking more control of their own situation and saying, we've got the money, we'll just do it ourselves. Um, you know, I just think that people are sick of waiting. And they've been organizing them as nonprofits or sort of smaller companies, yeah, not, I, not really municipalities. I think we're going to see more of a local self-reliance surge. Good. Well, let's hope so. Mm -hmm. um, I am curious whether anyone is expecting, um, well, let's put it this way. Uh, Trump was elected uh, because of rural America. Rural America really made the difference and really made sure that he won the White House. Um, are we going to see that rewarded? Are we going to see the federal government do anything to help rural America rather than just focusing on helping AT&T and CenturyLink? No, I'm hearing hearing no hope of that. So we all we all think that the federal government is just basically going to say, "Rural America, you can suck it." Maybe not in so stark of terms, but in reality, yeah, I think the infra the infrastructure spending that everyone's talking about that is being trumpeted, no pun intended, I guess, is that it's going to go to the large companies, the large contracts, and not trickle down to those rural communities yeah. and actually build out the investment and well, the infrastructure. That's my prediction as well, that the federal government will do nothing to help rural areas, but that, in fact, rural America will still have higher hopes because of the co-ops and the self-organizing. You know, I think that this is going to be one of those instances in which, you know, rural America is going to get better broadband because of the Roosevelt administration. Um, it, in fact, the Roosevelt administration, with having established all these electric co-ops and, and to some extent laying the groundwork for future telephone co-ops, I think will be more responsible for getting high-quality Internet access out to America than the Bush administration, the Obama administration, and the Trump administration combined. This seems like an ode that you need to be writing, an right. ode to the, the Roosevelt administration. Right. Thank you, Roosevelt administration, for internetizing uh, rural America. <laughs> <laughs> yes, internetizing. It's coming to a dictionary near you. Um, is it going to be capitalized? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that was one of Hannah's predictions. Yeah, my prediction is you will stop capitalizing internet, Chris. Oh, there's no chance of that. Absolutely <laughs> not. I'll stop capitalizing internet when people stop capitalizing White House. You know, there's lots of White Houses out there. There's plenty of houses that are white, and yet one gets capitalized. Why is that? Oh, because it's unique. For the love of God, the internet needs to be capitalized. There's only one of them. I did read an interesting article about that a while back, though, about how if we are going to consider the Internet as a utility, we need to stop capitalizing it. That's such crap. So, I mean, Why don't you just, be more direct in your for thoughts? For the love of God. I mean, it's just <laughs> the Internet is one thing. It's like it's, it's But we don't capitalize electricity. We don't capitalize not one telephone. Thing. It's like a it is a utility. You can, okay, so like. You do understand. I'm not arguing for like, so, or against it. So I'm just you making can, you can go to You can go to Las Vegas and see the Taj Mahal. So we should never capitalize Taj Mahal. The Taj Mahal is not a utility. <laughs> right. But the question, the question of whether something is a proper noun is whether or not it is unique. The Internet is unique. 
there's only one, so I, there's multiple internets, but there's only one, the internet. So if you're talking about an internet of like real estate agents and like relinking together different real estate agents in a network, fine, that's an, a lowercase internet. If you're talking about the one network that connects all networks in the entire freaking planet, basically, that's the internet capitalized. So, no, I will not stop capitalizing it. It will be capitalized on my tombstone, hopefully many decades from now, because I'm going to put it there just as a fit of, of, uh, of obstinacy. Yeah. Well, if you do I think every letter on Chris's tombstone will be capitalized. If you do blow a gasket <laughs> because of this internet <laughs> stylization, I'll make sure it's put on there with capitalization. Right, right. Chris could not let anything go. Um, that is not a prediction for 2017. <laughs> I wanted to say another one of my weak predictions in my last week prediction, my last prediction that I wrote down is that uh, we will continue to see more and more talk of public-private partnerships without any new public-private partnerships. Mm -hmm. There are practically no public-private partnerships in the sense of, of actually having a partnership. Westminster is the sole example. We thought we would see another one in Santa Cruz and that fizzled because it's very hard to find entities that want to work together in that way to accept shared risk and to share the benefits. We will see more situations in which municipalities are taking on the risk themselves. They are building the network and they are leasing that to private sector entities that will operate it. And that is a great model of cooperation. It's a wonderful way to expand internet access, capital I, internet access. Uh, but it is not what I would call a partnership any more than I partner with Exxon to drive across the city. We will, we will continue to see more talk of public-private partnerships um, than we actually see real partnerships because I think municipalities have it within them to do most of the work and then have the final connectivity be delivered by the uh, by private firms. We've had quite a few stories in the news lately about this community's talking about it, that community's considering it, putting in municipal networks, building infrastructure. Do you think that the actual deployment will possibly not happen as quickly now based on, you know, what's happening at the federal level with the new administration? No, or do you think that's going to ramp up? I because they're going to try to hurry up and get it done? I don't think, I just don't think, and this do is something that I don't think the Trump administration or the FCC is going to do much to hinder municipal mm. broadband. I think they're going to do nothing to help it. I think they may speak out against it. But I think that uh, it will be in the states where um, any possible new barriers will be created. And, and I don't think, I think there will be, we'll have many debates, but I don't think we'll see significant new barriers. And I think we have so many models now that we'll see cities just continuing to move forward. This is a this is a dynamic that is just too powerful at the local level. And frankly, it's not it's not even a situation where I can be like, our ideas are so brilliant, people can't help but be swept away with them. No, the point is is that the situation is so dire in places where communities are not doing something yeah. that they have to do something. And that is the dynamic that will continue to get worse. True that. <laughs> So I feel like I've left everyone speechless. <laughs> I do have one more prediction. Yes. Just to mention. So I do have one more prediction. I think there's going to be some tension between investing in renewable energy by electric cooperatives and investing in broadband service. While the, the two aren't necessarily comparable as far as the investment goes and as far as the movements behind them go, I think that media folks will still say, oh, you can only do one of those things. And, you know, we've proven between cross-initiative work with our Energy Democracy Initiative that that's not true, that they can do both. And it's something that is maybe a latent storyline that we have to keep pushing. 
All right. Well, I do not expect to see many areas in that, so this will be one where one of us will be proven wrong. I think we'll see the co-ops continuing to do both because I think both will be very popular in most areas. So, um, you know, I'll be curious to see. Um, uh, one of the challenges I think that the, um, the, the co-ops have with the energy side rather than the fiber side is that um, they have all these long-term power purchase agreements. Um, but I think that energy um, co electric cooperatives will recognize that if they build fiber, they're more likely to have a increasing rate base, um, you know, an increasing number of, of entities that are purchasing electricity from them, and that will help to justify their uh, further investments in new generation capacity. So, um, you know, we'll see who's right and wrong. But I don't follow it as closely as you do, frankly, so I, I could be way out on a limb here. I'm okay with being wrong about this one, too. So I just want to always set up a win-win proposition for my predictions. <laughs> right. I predict doom! <laughs> And then I'll be sitting on a molten lava rock saying, hey, I was right. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please do check out um, ILSR.org to donate um, or go to MuniNetworks.org to donate. There are buttons that will speed you in the right direction. Uh, we very much um, need your support, and we thank you for your time. Um, we, we asked people to send in um, some predictions, but... Um, we actually had to really cajole people, and we didn't get very many. So I do thank the two of you that, that left predictions, but we decided to just keep this an ILSR prediction show. All right, thank you, everyone, for coming into my office, my tiny, apparently, office uh, for this show. Hannah, thank you for, for the predictions. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Nick, for visiting our office. Uh, Nick had been with us, but has since moved to D.C., Boo. boo. <laughs> That's what happens when I come here. They just boo me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll look forward to getting back into the normal interview um, podcast uh, starting next week. Have a great holidays. Bye. 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 That was Christopher, Hannah, Nick, and me from ILSR discussing events in the world of telecommunications from 2016 and making some predictions for 2017. We want to thank Rebecca for calling in with her own funny predictions and Jeff, one of our strong supporters, for also offering a bit of humorous soothsaying as read by Hannah at the beginning of the show. Remember, we have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcasts at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter where the handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the podcasts in the ILSR family on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Never miss out on our original research by also subscribing to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. Thank you to Admiral Bob for the song Turbo Tornado licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 234 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. All of us at ILSR and the Community Broadband Bits Network Initiative wish you a restful and joyous holiday season. We wish you all the best in the new year. Music